Welcome to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My name is Jonathan Edwards, and I serve as a pastor at the Grace Brethren Chapel located in Northwest Ohio. The goal of this podcast is to teach God's truth and how to apply it accurately to one's life so that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed as you contemplate God's word. Greetings, saints and fellow bond slaves of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think I've settled on that as a new introduction. I think though the wording bond slave may be offensive to our culture, it's exactly the phrase that is used in the New Testament to describe Christians, and it describes our Christians and our relationship to our Savior, our Master, Jesus Christ. He's not just the Savior, He is our Lord, and we need to orient our lives in service of our Lord and Master. And so using this phrase, while it may be culturally sensitive, is absolutely appropriate as a Christian, and I don't think we should apologize for it in any way, shape, or form. It's a great reminder that every aspect of our life should come into and under the obedience of the commands of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And if we keep in the forefront of our mind the fact that Jesus Christ is not just Savior, but He is Lord and Master, and he is the ruler of us as his bond slaves, then I think that we will be well reminded of our need for continual daily obedience in every aspect and every area of life. So I hope that going forward, as you hear yourself called a saint and a fellow bond slave of Jesus Christ, that you would be reminded of the need for obedience and that you would be blessed as you obey the commands that Christ has given to you. Now, moving into today's topic, I want to talk about sin as the root of human woe. Sin is the root of human woe. And what really brought this to my mind was um, just some, some blog posts I was reading. Um, maybe it was a commentary. I can't remember. I was been making notes over the last month or so of podcast topics that I wanted to work through. And something I read led me to this. And I wanted to expand on it because I thought, wow, what a great statement. Sin is the root of human woe. I think we forget that. I think we forget that the tragedies, the difficulties, the chaos, the miserable time that many people experience, that is due to sin. Now, I'm going to unpack what kind of sin that is and what woe is, but we need to remember that the creation as it stands right now is not how God originally designed it to be. A drastic and all-consuming transformation, all-encompassing transformation, has been made in the creation due to the effect and the power of sin within the creation or upon the creation or to the creation. I mean, I don't know how many prepositions I can use, but if I could use more, I will. That transformation has happened to the creation, God's good creation, as a result of sin. And oftentimes we take this for granted and we overlook it. You know, as I um, consider this topic, it really has caused me to reevaluate what I read on the, the daily news. So whether you go to Fox News or CBS News or CNN or Real Clear Politics or Daily Wire, whatever news source that you go to. 
and you read the headlines, you're like, this is a terrible headline. This is discouraging. Here's somebody who cheated. Here's somebody who lied. Here's somebody who got murdered. Here's somebody who's rioting. Here's somebody who's um, embezzling money. Here's some, and over and over and over again, the headlines, the things that are placed in front of us to consume by media corporations, they are outstandingly, overwhelmingly negative. Very rarely do we find some headline that is refreshing. In fact, I actually used one of the articles um, about a refreshing headline uh, in December when I talked about Candace Cameron Burr and her suffering that she endured for refusing to acknowledge that um, gay and lesbian marriage is acceptable before God and that it's acceptable to do that in a, a movie. And she changed um, movie houses or movie networks. You can go check that out in the December podcast list. But, you know, that was, a that was as a Christian, I thought that was a positive headline, even though it was about suffering, because it gave me hope. Here's somebody who's a prominent public figure who is willing to stand up for Christ and to suffer. And uh, that was very, very encouraging. So that is the exception rather than the rule when it comes to the headlines that you read. And as a Christian, I think we're, we're, we're processing, right? We're thinking through, why, why is there so much woe in the world? Why is there so much heartache? Why is there so much devastation? And the answer, of course, comes back to sin. Now, this is not the answer that's going to be promoted or talked about by uh, talking heads in the national media. You're probably not even going to see this on Fox News or even something like the Daily Wire or maybe even the Blaze. It's a biblical worldview to say that sin is the root of human woe. Now, before we get any further, I want to define this word woe. I, I think that, you know, you in the audience probably know what this word means, and I don't want to insult your intelligence. But, you know, as somebody who studies language, who is in the Word of God um, day in and day out, I, I just find it so valuable to look up words that I think I know the meaning to. And I can see that, you know, what I had in my mind is like, usually, it's usually right, but it's maybe not total. It's maybe not totally complete. And there's always more nuance when you really start to study a word. And so it really broadens your understanding of the topic. And with that in mind, or with that said, I want to read to you the, the definition of woe here. And this comes from the Nelson Bible Dictionary. Just listen to what the word woe represents, okay? The, the phrase woe, or the phrase woe unto you, is not pronouncing necessarily a final judgment on an individual or a group of individuals. Rather, it is describing the miserable condition in God's sight of the people who are being addressed. Their wretchedness lies not least in the fact that they are living in a fool's paradise, unaware of the misery that awaits them. The state of the materially-minded blinded by wealth to their spiritual needs, of the self-satisfied, of the impenitent and unsympathetic, and of those who are universally popular is declared by Jesus to be wretched. Now, that's quite a definition. Let's unpack this. And actually, that definition goes on further, but 
those are the three or four sentences I really wanted to focus on. What does it mean to suffer woe? Woe, first of all, is a deplorable and miserable condition in the sight of God. This means that you're not an outstanding person in God's sight. It means that you are deserving of whatever wrath and justice he would choose to display upon you. You are a person who is disgusting in God's sight. Now, now I think that's slightly offensive because we've been told that God is love, right? And God loves us, and that's absolutely true. But we're looking now just at the condition of sin and what that does to a person in the sight of God. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, 7, 8, and 9, tell us that our sinful condition makes us an enemy of God. So as it stands, we are people who are miserable in the sight of God. We have a miserable condition, and that condition is known as sin. Now, there are two ways to deal with sin, right? There's two ways to deal with sin, and I'm just going to go ahead and explain this right now, and then we'll jump back into the definition of woe. One way to deal with sin is to confess and repent and trust in God, specifically Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you are entrusting yourself to the work that Jesus did on the cross, the payment that was made on your behalf through his blood to forgive you for sin. That's one way to deal with sin. But there's another way that people deal with sin. You know what it is. It is this. People double down on their sin. They bet on themselves against God and they reject God's truth, they reject God's righteous ordinances, they reject the clear scriptures, and they decide to make gods in their own image, and they worship the creature rather than the creator. This is what Paul explains in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. So there are two responses to the miserable condition of sin that we all have in the sight of God. One is to confess and repent, and the other is to double down and to dig in. Now, that helps us to understand the second part of this definition of woe. The wretchedness of the sinner lies in the fact that they are living in a fool's paradise unaware of the misery that awaits them. Do you know sinners who are celebrating their sin? who are um, rejecting God's truth and mocking God's truth and saying, oh, look, I'm sinning. I'm violating God's truth, but things are going great with me. I'm living my best life. Uh, Why would I want to give all this up in order to follow this God who is going to, you know, I don't even know if he exists, but if he does exist, he's going to love me and forgive me. They're living in a fool's paradise. They think everything is going okay. It's quite analogous to the situation of the Titanic. All the passengers thought things are going great. Nothing can sink this ship. Even the captain, even the crew, confident nothing could sink the ship. And I believe that if you're understanding history accurately, when you look at the 
what happened on the Titanic after they struck the iceberg, many of the passengers continued right on with their 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 lives, with their the events that they were doing because they th- they were so confident that nothing could sink the ship. And what happened? The ship sank. That's how many sinners live today. They live in a fool's paradise. They think the ship that they're driving or they're floating on is unsinkable. And the reality is, at any moment, God could call you from this life to the next. And at that moment, judgment has been sealed. There's no going back. There's no changing. So the wretchedness of those who are wicked lies in the fact that they are living in a fool's paradise, unaware of the misery that awaits them. They are materially minded, focused on material possessions, and they are blinded by their own wealth to their spiritual needs. Man, is that true of America or what? We are so blinded by our own wealth that we are totally unaware of our spiritual needs. Not only that, but we are self-satisfied. We have an attitude, a mentality in America. I can do it myself. I can make myself. I can go anywhere I want to. It's all about the eyes. It's all about the me's in America. I, 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 I can do it all. The reality is you can do whatever you want to in this life, but you can never, never secure eternal life through your own work or your own merit. Having this self-satisfied mentality, this idea that you can do whatever you want to and you don't need God or you don't need to answer to God, having that attitude is a, a road or an attitude that will lead to certain destruction and certain doom. Jesus also said this, or I should say the, the definition also declares that those who are universally popular and who have the support of men and the applause of men and the approval of men, those are people who are wretched because not only do they have the self-satisfaction of, I did this myself, they have a personal pride, but they are also are propped up by the ideas and the accolades and the, the commendation of other men who are also wicked. And so those who are popular, the Hollywood A-listers, the athletes, the musicians, uh, the politicians, those who receive the accolades of men and who are living in a way that is contrary to the Word of God, they are especially, in a unique way, living underneath the pronouncement of God's woe. Because not only do they have a miserable condition, but they have millions of people who are promoting their continuance of that position. They don't see a need for a Savior. They are the Savior to so many people. Why would they need somebody to save them? Now, this woe is not limited to those who are famous or well-known, but it is a human condition. All humans are under woe. All humans are in a miserable condition. Why? Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. And so because of personal sin, many people, ordinary people, people who will never make the evening news, people who will never be famous, uh, people who will never be remembered in the next generation, except maybe by their immediate family or the generation after that, those people are also living in a woeful condition. Why? Because sin is miserable. Sin is destructive. Sin harms and brings about great harm. And sin, furthermore, convinces people that doing that which is wicked and that which is against God's truth is actually good and actually enjoyable and that it's the right thing to do. How can you say that? Well, that's what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that people who are living in sin will approve the sins of others so that they can then live in their own sins without fear of reprobation or conviction or condemnation. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 5. Woe to those who drag iniquity with the cords of falsehood and sin as, with, as if with cart ropes, who say, let God make speed, let him hasten his work that we may see it, and let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come to pass that we may know it. Now, he's, Isaiah is talking to Israel, and basically what these people are saying, they're mocking God. They're saying, if God was real, he would show himself to us in some way. But since he doesn't show himself to us, he's not really real, and we don't have to obey his word. Have you heard that from any modern-day person? I have dozens and dozens of times. If God were real, of course I would obey him, but he's not. He's not shown himself. That's a lie. God has revealed himself through the very creation that we enjoy every single day. Now, continuing in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like what we're doing. We are taking away the rights of those who deserve something and giving it to those who are undeserving. It's called equity. We're making equitable outcomes. That's exactly what we're doing in America. And so we take from the rich, we give it to the poor, we take from those who work, we give it to those who don't work, we take from those who have merit, and we give it to those who don't have merit, and we call it justice. We call it justice. Well, God says that's sin, and it is a, a miserable condition to mess up true justice and true rights. And when we, when we pervert justice and when we pervert the true rights and the genuine rights that are due an individual, that leads to a woeful condition. Now, Paul writes something very similar to this at the end of Romans chapter 1, and I want to read that to you as well, because this, this makes sense, and we're like, oh, well, that's just the nation of Israel, you know, we're different than Israel. We're not Israel. Okay, that's true, we're not Israel, but 
we are affected by the same thing that Israel is affected by, sin. It's a universal problem. It's a universal condition. So let's see what Paul says to the Romans, who, again, were not Jews. What does he say to them about people who are sinful? Romans chapter, eight, chapter 1, excuse me, verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. This is the condition of people today. This is the condition of those in your neighborhood, those who you go to work with, those who you see in your community at Walmart or Kroger or wherever it is you go shopping. They are living in this miserable condition. And we, as a culture, as a society, have rejected God's truth to the point that God has given us over to a reprobate mind. That means a mind that does not know how to think appropriately, a mind that is totally um, given over to pursuing one's own lusts and one's own self-interest. It's a mind that's not even capable of doing what honors God. That's what we've been given over to. And when you look at the list of sins that God has said those with a reprobate mind will practice, doesn't that just sound like what you read in the headlines? People are murderers. People are greedy. People are full of envy and strife and deceit. They encourage and they promote doing those things that are evil because it makes you feel good. It makes me feel great about myself. It satisfies me. And that's the bottom line. Don't I want to make me happy? Don't I want to enjoy my life? And this is the big lie that Satan tells us. Satan says to the world, Satan even tries to convince believers of this, that if you satisfy yourself, that's better than living according to God's truth. If you do what pleases you, that's good and honorable, and it will lead to long-term happiness. And what do you think? Do the people who you know who have pursued these types of sins, do they have long-term happiness, or do they spiral down and down and down, eventually wallowing in self-pity and in a broken life, in broken circumstances. And they, they wonder, they're not, maybe not at rock bottom, but they're, they're totally empty. There's no joy. There's no satisfaction. They pursued sin, and sin left them at the altar. I really appreciate the author of Hebrews and how he described Moses' attitude when he was living with Pharaoh. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11, I think it's like verse 26 or 28, says that Moses 
chose rather to endure hardship or endure suffering with the people of Israel rather than the passing pleasures of sin. And my friends, that's so true. Sin feels good for a moment, maybe even a few moments. But when the breakup happens, it's really bad. When the sin is over and the pleasure is gone, you're just left devastated. My friends, sin is the root of human woe. This is a condition that was introduced into the world by Adam when he ate the fruit that he knew he was not supposed to eat. And the curse of sin has affected every single part of the world. There is no part that is left untouched by sin. Every human being, every animal, every plant, every um, drop of ocean water, every molecule in the sky above, every aspect of space, the stars, the other galaxies, the you know comets and asteroids and the moons and everything that's out in space, all of it is under the curse of sin. Here's what Paul says about that curse of sin that we're all under, that all of creation is under. If you go back up to Romans chapter 8, Paul says this, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption and to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. There is an analogy here that as creation has been corrupted and groans for its redemption, so too the believer who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus also groans and waits for that moment when we will be set free from this body of sin and be given a new, resurrected, glorified body. We groan, we long, we desire that moment. And you know what? God will bring it about in his good time. God will give us that moment when he's ready to give it to us. And what a glorious day that will be to no longer be under the curse of sin. We have been set free as believers from the power of sin, but we will one day be set free from the very presence of sin. And it will no longer be a thorn in our sides. Now, that's a glorious hope for the believer, but what about the unbeliever? Well, they, they will only experience greater woe. A woe is pronounced as a precursor to judgment. A woe is pronounced so that someone will take stock of their condition and will change so that they don't face the ultimate consequence. And when Jesus gives woes in the gospel, the goal is to shock the recipient of the woe into changing their behavior. But unfortunately, so many people are 
self-satisfied and they are prideful and they are unwilling to examine what the truth of the Word of God is, that they will hear the woe and it will go in one ear and out the other and they will suffer the judgment that will rightly come upon them for violating the commands and the laws of a holy God. My friends, I know that all of us know someone who is currently in a situation where they are going to experience the judgment of God. May we warn them by talking about the woeful condition that they are in. And may we help them to see that God has made a way for them to escape that condition through his son, Jesus Christ. My friends, as you read the news, as you see the condition of people around you, know that it is not due to inequity. It is not due to inequality. It is due to sin. And let us be men and women who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that though we may be great sinners, there is a great Savior, and his name is Jesus. If you're listening to this podcast and you aren't sure whether you know Jesus or not, or you've been been convicted that you are a person who is going to experience the judgment of God, you are living in a woeful condition, I pray that you would repent, that you would turn from your sins and trust Jesus. If you want to do that and you don't know how or you're not sure about it or you want a further explanation, go to our website, gbchapel.org. And use the uh, contact form there to fill out, uh, fill that out and send it. I'll be able to receive that, and uh, I can talk to you further about that. The last thing that you want is to be unsure of your eternal destiny. And for those of us who are saved, may we rejoice that God has dealt with our woeful condition through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you consider these truths.